there are moments, yeah, where I realize I can be optimistic. I spent a lot of that time without that at all and just mm. feeling destitution. You know, like if this can happen to you, like this is just the worst possible thing and you have no control. So what's the point? You know, it's awful. Okay, we're on. We are on. Are we on? We are on. We are on. <laughs> you always have to ask that. Just check. Yeah. Well, there will be an occasion one time when that actually happens, won't it? It's already happened once, right? <laughs> Didn't it record like half a show and people was like, can't hear anything? Yeah, there was the famous no sound episode. It's yeah. one of our better performers, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome along, everybody. Greetings one and all. This is the Still Parents podcast. We are on episode number 52. My name is Dan. We are live from the Still Parents podcast studio. Thank you very much if you are joining us on the live stream or whenever you're listening back to this at whatever point in the future through your uh, podcast provider, whenever that is. Could be tomorrow, could be in a year from now. It's weird, isn't it, when you think that people are still listening to the first episodes that we've done? Absolutely mental. It is, yeah. How are you, Ryan, anyway? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. You had a good week? Yeah, glad to be back. Excellent. How are you, Matt Whitehouse? Are you well? By the way, David, our guest, we're going to introduce in a second, but Matt's football team has, has lost earlier, so he's not in the, he's not in the great, greatest of moods. They were winning at half-time <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, they were winning right. at half-time, threw it away. Joining us today, all the way... From the sunny climbs of Los Angeles, and I know already I'm going to get the surname wrong, despite the fact <laughs> I've just asked him off air. <laughs> is and you should be able to see him now if you're watching on the stream, David Kasharov. <laughs> How close was I? Oh, I just cut you off because I didn't. I saw you struggling. <laughs> the <laughs> <laughs> Say it once again so everyone can uh, know it. Kashivarov. Kashivarov, that's it. Yeah. Welcome yeah. on to the Still Parents podcast. It's Sunday lunchtime where you are. And I don't yeah. know why, but Ryan already asked what the temperature was. And it's like, you know, it's not going to be good news, is it, Ryan, for us ever? Uh... Not when it's like <laughs> minus 800 here and pissing it down with rain, no. <laughs> What did we say it was, 24? 24, yeah. 25, oh, yeah. It's not, it's yeah. Not Lovely even, and sunny. It's, not even, it's April, it's not even midday. There yeah, it is. It's great to have you on. Thanks for coming. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Congratulations on, I guess I'm 52. Yes, right. you are. Yes. Yes. Congratulations on 50 episodes. It's a, it's a milestone. Yeah. Well, uh, especially as we only set out to do six. Yeah. 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 Well, like we always say, it's, I guess it's good and it's bad. We want people to listen, but we don't want people to listen, as we always say, because it means that people are experiencing pain yep. or you're, you're listening to yeah. get a little bit of insight to maybe a, or a friend or a family member of yours is going through and how, and how you can support them as well. Whereabouts in LA are you, by the way, David, for anyone? Because I know we've got a few people over in America listening. Just on the, you know, on the east side, which was actually is a city called Glendale, but you could say northeast Los Angeles, so just outside of the city. Matt, please ask the question you asked off air. <laughs> please, Matt. Come on, Matt, come on. Yeah, so David, I, I, for some reason, I find the Hollywood sign fascinating. I just want to know what it's like in real life, really. What's, it, what's the sign like <laughs> in real life? What's the sign like? What, just, what, what just have interest, Matt. Okay. What, <laughs> what does that even mean? Matt, what, I've like, just got to ask you, what, what sort of answer are yeah. you looking for? Yeah, yeah. Well, no. It's the same, but in 3D? <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. It's big. I, I'm just, yeah. I just want to explain myself here. It because spells a word. <laughs> maybe I mean, like, how close can you get to it? I know it's on the hills. One of the films I have seen, The Day After Tomorrow, that Hollywood sign gets wiped off because of the bad weather. Right. That, so that's, I'm, that's called film. I know yeah. that, right? Do you realise that, realize that's no, fiction? I get put it back. It's they back. put it back, right? They put it back. That's the main <laughs> thing, right? But it's just, yeah, it just, I just want to know what it's like in real life. To be right. honest, I've, uh, never, I've never been up close. Oddly enough, I would just before I came on here, I saw an email and I'm part of this hiking group and they said, join us next week for the for the 100 year anniversary of the Hollywood sign. So See? it's funny that you asked that now. It's See? been around for 100 years. There we go. Geography with Matt. 
<laughs> so obviously, you know, you've got that famous landmark over there, the world-renowned Hollywood sign. Uh, and of course, I know what you're thinking, David. You're thinking, wow, you guys have got Spaghetti Junction. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you about that. What is it like? Yeah. Well, well, I'll, let, I'll let Matt answer because okay. he's, he's the king of geography. Then we'll crack on with the episode. I have to drive past it every day. It's horrendous, David. Like, you know, it's because the traffic is awful. So yeah, it's not as good as the Hollywood sign, I bet. You actually work in films, don't you, David? Like, seeing as we've I just do, mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. Do you mind uh, Do you mind telling everyone what you do for a living before we uh, before we crack on, if that's all right? Yeah, sure, sure. I, I, I'm an editor, so I edit television shows and, and films, and I sort of bounce back and forth in between. That's amazing, isn't it? Email. Thank you very much for coming on and, and joining us anyway, David. Yeah, lovely. We would like you, as we say to all guests, if you don't mind just taking as much time as you as you need and we'll jump in at any point that we that we see necessary uh, with uh, with Ryan and Matt just tell us about the story that you and your family have gone through and your loss please yeah yeah I'd love to and obviously it'll be pretty hard my wife's name is Barb you know it's interesting that we're doing this now as on Friday it'll be a year it'll be our one year anniversary of oh wow okay. his birth and death uh, our son Valentine and so last April it was a Thursday Barb complained about she went to the bathroom she said there was a little bit of blood in the toilet and about a half an hour later we're just laying in bed and she went to the bathroom again and there was more blood and she came out of the bathroom and just immediately said we need to go to the hospital right now which is a terrifying thing to hear Mm. so you know we got into the car as quickly as we can we got to the hospital I dropped her off I let her just go up ahead of me and I so I could find parking and she can get in there quickly and by the time I got up there she was already in in the room and the nurses were searching for a heartbeat and it took them a while and it was very terrifying, but they found one. It was a very yeah. strong, healthy heartbeat. And so we found some solace in that, that the baby was healthy and they kept telling us, you know, the baby's the baby's okay. And after a little while, she went to the bathroom again and there was more blood. And so they called our OB and our OB was on the way, but a different doctor came in and, and said that she was going to do a, a digital exam. And she did that. And after, you know, I just saw her, I was like behind Barb and looking at this doctor and her face just kind of went white and, you know, her hand came out and it was bloody. And she said, you're in labor. And this and was this at six months, did you say? It was to six, the day, yeah. six months wow. into our pregnancy. And we just had, a, we had a scan, a, you know, a few, we had a 20 week scan a few weeks before. Everything was healthy. Everything was great. We got a great bill of health. And she just said the thing we didn't want to hear. And we sat in that room just just sort of confused as, as to like that this is actually happening. And at that moment, I think our OB showed up and they had a meeting and they took they took everyone outside of the room and came back in and they just we figured, I don't know, I'm always like this optimistic person. I think they're mm. gonna come in and say, It's look, it's okay, we'll be able to stop it. Mm. And they came in and said, We're gonna take you down to the maternity ward. We're not sure when this baby's coming, but it's coming. So they took us down, uh, or not down, but across to the maternity ward, and they brought us into this. The room was ready, and in walked in uh, someone from the NICU. Basically, was there to give us the news that you know, most likely your child is obviously your child will end up in the NICU. And we we're having this conversation in the room with Barb there and the other nurses as they're trying to take care of her. They were trying to like put her on the on the bed and lean her back a bit. Okay. Because that would maybe stop the labor, not stop the labor, but but slow it down. But this, you know, this man was in our room just giving us the worst news that we were, mm. you know, hearing. Just like your baby's going to end up in the, you know, in the in the ICU essentially. 
Barb just said, look, can you guys go have this conversation outside? And, and he took me out of the room. And I mean, I, I, this guy has the worst job. He's there to tell you that, that things are very dismal and not looking good. And he, you know, yeah. was, he was asked, he was saying like, this is the chances of survival of being at six months of being born at six months are very low, about a 40% chance of survival. And, and he asked if we were having a boy or a girl and we said a boy. And he said, well, boys actually have a lower chance of, of, of survival. And even then with survival, there's chances for brain damage. Yeah. Uh, we just don't know. And what they proceeded to do, they told us we're going to give you a shot or barb a shot of steroids. And that'll help the baby grow a little bit. Hopefully their lungs can develop quicker. Yeah. And a shot of magnesium for his brain. And the steroids, which we learned later, steroids need 24 hours to take effect. And then after that 24 hours, you need another 24 hours to take for your second shot. So you need a two two full days before they feel confident that the that the steroids have done their done job. anything, yeah. And so we we wow. sat in that that maternity ward, and you know we had these specialty doctors coming in and telling us, you know, taking scans, <laughs> and the baby was in a good position for her giving birth to him naturally, and that was the silver lining in all of this. So at least you can have the baby naturally, and we'll see where things go. At this point, were you still? Like you said you naturally up to quite optimistic person so were you not considering the fact that you know the worst case scenario still how were you and barb handling it in this moment because it all seems to have ha- it was quite a quick progression wasn't it, it was from when you went fast. in yeah, yeah. I, I, there's that feeling that like you're in a dream like you just can't mm. believe that this is actually happening you know that it is but you you want some sort of exit you're hoping that this is somehow will just correct itself and this is all just you know an incident that will fix itself and everything is going to be okay but we were terrified, you know. I think we were both just really scared because we didn't know we didn't know what any of this meant. You get into um, a state of it's almost like an out of body experience in a way. Like you kind of you're there, but you're almost like watching yourself in this. But you're living this nightmare at the same time. It's really hard to explain. Mm. Really, really hard to explain because there's obviously a, a complete mix of emotions, a complete mix of. Um, you're processing this information that you've never had to process before, so it's new, isn't it? It's yeah. new emotions. But I would argue as well is that you're actually not processing it at that well, time yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Because right. because it is, you know, I've alluded before, it's like a sledgehammer eating you in the face. Mm. It's, um, yeah. it's horrific. Yeah. I think what I'd like to ask you, David, if you don't mind, is obviously you know that you're in that situation where the doctors have come in from NICU and they've prepared you for the fact that Valentine's going to have to go into NICU because of, of him only being six months. Yeah. Was there a, a, a sort of part of you that was excited to meet him, even though you knew he was only six months old, or was it just fear? Fear. It was total fear. And then there's this side of me, because I have to go in to the room, because I'm outside of the room and he tells me all this. I have to go oh, into yeah. the room and explain all of this to Barb. Yeah. And yes, it's fear. And, and, and then there's that optimistic part of me that's like, well, we're going to beat the odds. Yeah. I know yeah. they're low, yeah. Yeah. but we will beat them. There was this point where we're in, we're in the room and we're, we're waiting and we're just trying to stave this for as long as we can. Mm. And, you know, we're like, we'll spend the next three months in here if we have to. Like, mm. Whatever it's yeah. going to take, we'll do that. Mm. There was a point where we were just left alone for a bit and Barb said, you know, I just, I feel different. Can you go get the nurse? 
it took me like the nurses have been coming and, and they've always been around. And like, the, you know, the minute you actually like you want one, you need one right away. <laughs> yeah. You got to go find them, you know, and it took yeah. a little while and, and they showed up and they they scanned. And now all of a sudden the baby's in a different position upside down, the umbilical cords in the way. And what turned into her being able to have a natural pregnancy about eight hours later is turning into an emergency C-section. She she already had. um. Sorry, I forget the name, the spinal... Uh, epidural. Epidural, yeah, yeah. Epidural. She already had the epidural. You know, they, they did that early on and said, you know, th- just in case there needs to be an emergency C-section, let's get this in you because when it happens, it's going to happen real fast. Mm. And the, these doctors came in and they did the scan and they just said, we need to go to the OR now. And that is the moment where I did feel excited. Yeah. All yeah, of a sudden, yeah, like, yeah. I, you know, I knew this, yeah. was, I was terrified, but there was this weird mixture of like excitement that I was going to meet my son. Yep. But knowing that like we're going to go through this sort of horrendous process of a, of a C-section, emergency C-section. I don't know what's going to happen after this, but I will finally get to see him. Yeah. It's true. It's, it's, it's just a cocktail of emotions, isn't it? All of those things happening. How was the, the communication between you and the staff? Because obviously we're over here in the UK and there's, there's a lot of times that we have quite interested to hear how the different countries operate in terms of the midwives and how they talk to you and the amount of staff they're about and just the difference in the systems. Did you feel that you, um, apart from that universal thing that you've just mentioned where th- there's never someone around when you actually need them. I think that's yeah. just, that's just everywhere in every yeah, country, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, did they you... were fantastic. Yeah. They were really great. Okay. They came every so often. We had a really great team, an all female team of doctors, yeah. which felt great to have them in the room. What's really tough too, and you make me think of this too, is like when you get pregnant and this is our first pregnancy and it okay. took a while for it to happen. Right. No one tells, everyone tells you about the, you know, the beautiful parts of pregnancy, but no one ever has this conversation with you that says something bad could happen. Yeah. And if Matt it does, here's lot, what could yeah. happen. Here are the various things. And like, so you're not just like, you never think of that. You know, it's that so doesn't, true. you don't spend time, like mental time sorting that out. Until all of a sudden you're there, and then yeah. everyone's just giving you the worst news ever all at once. Yeah, you've gone, you've planned so far one direction, only to have it ripped not only from under your feet, but then you push so far in the complete opposite direction, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Matt's mentioned about this before. When you you know you're not planning for anything other than welcoming. But, but I think as hu- I think as humans anyway, we have a natural instinct to think that it's not going to happen to me. Don't yeah. we? We yeah. always say it's not yeah. going to happen to me. That's yeah, true. Even though we're aware of, you know, things that can happen. Yeah. Maybe not so much in pregnancy, but I mean, just in general real life, real life, I mean, in general life is that when you're thrown into this spiral of, I'm not going to sugarcoat, this spiral of absolute shit. shit, It's horrendous. Well, it's that spiral. That's a, such a great and way. And it's to a spiral it. because it, because you do. It doesn't stop there, does no. it? You feel disorientated. You don't know mm-hmm. what's happening. You have no understanding yeah. because we're not medically trained. You're worrying about what the next pro, uh, what's next on the agenda in the yeah. process, and what you know what's why they're doing this. Why I mean, is that happening? Why is that beep happening? Why is that beep? Yeah. With that in mind, where do you even start? The only way to explain it really is like a sensory overload. It's a mm. massive sensory overload. You know, you imagine sitting in a... I quite often, when I do training courses with midwives or, or um, student midwives and so forth, I always get them to put their fingers in their ears. Oh, yeah, you mentioned this. And yeah. hum. Oh, yeah. yeah. I heard you talk about this. And yeah. that basically, that's it. in my opinion, that's right is exactly what I heard when we were being told X, Y, and Z. Just a noise. Just noise. Just white noise. 
because I'm not taking anything in yeah. because because I'm yeah yeah I'm just battling against my own thought processes, my own questions. What's going to happen? What happens if this happens? What? I, mm. There's no control in no, any of it. That's it, right? No. People yeah. are telling you. People are telling you, giving you information. Yeah. But you're completely. You can't do anything with it. Yeah. And what do men it's, like it's, to do? It's happening to you. What do men like to do? We like to be in yeah. control because we like to mm. know. I mean, I do certainly. I I like to not be in control from in a negative perspective, but I like to know what's happening when well, it's happening. I think everybody yeah. likes to that. To a degree, because it brings comfort and safety and knowing absolutely. that you're, you're steering the ship. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't like flying, but I don't like flying because I'm not in control. Exactly. I don't like being a passenger in someone else's yeah. car. You know, yeah, there's yeah, all yeah. sorts no, of things like that. Yeah. And when we're put into into um, situations like this in in specifically medi- medical mm. situations and we don't have any control, we find it a lot harder as men because yeah. our natural instinct yeah, is yeah. to protect, to be able to hopefully fix, to make things better. And when we can't do that, we find it a hell of a lot harder than... And not only that, like you said, because the lack of knowledge maybe about the profession, the terminology, yeah. you know, the, the yeah, doctors, yeah. the midwives. Also, that's very difficult to, to manage. Yeah, absolutely. We've always said there's no manual, you know, and you wish yeah. there was. You're now at this point, like I said already, you're kind of stuck between that rock and the hard place. He hasn't been born yet, but you probably think that it's going to be difficult as far as the birth's concerned. And then where do we go from here? Like what happens then? Yeah, I mean, for our story, we, we uh, where did I leave off? So we, we, the nurses come in and they do this yeah. again and they say that, you know, like he's, 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 he's in done, danger. Yeah. And yeah. If we want to give him a shot, essentially, we need an emergency C-section. They throw some scrubs at me and say, put this on. We're going right now. And Barb and I just looked at each other. I mean, there's nothing we can do. It's like you just, that's especially a moment where you feel out of control, where they're just wheeling you out of the room. And the next thing you know, within a minute or two, you're in the operating room. Yeah. Once they said it's go time, they said in about eight minutes, we'll be like, your your child will be born, which is, felt. I'll tell you, it felt I mean, every, you know, time slowed down yeah. Yeah. at that point. And they bring us into this room and they prep for surgery. And Barb has been given um, a certain amount of drugs to sort of keep her calm and out of pain. And so she's sort of out of it and wondering what's going on. And they put this big, you know, this sort of shield up so you can't see anything. And at some point, you know, the doctors took me out of the room for a couple of minutes. I don't know why. I still don't know why I never got to ask them, but I think it was just sort of so they could have some conversations because yeah, okay. ultimately what we found out later was that there was a placental abruption, right. which caused a lot of blood loss. And so right. there was a lot of blood in the room. And it was, I think they, they were just trying to sort of sort that out before they brought me back into the room. So I didn't have to see anything, but I knew it was going on. Like I, I, I could not see it. And yeah. so, yeah, we're in the room and um, they just, it just starts happening. I mean, they just tell you what's going on. You're going to feel, they tell Barb, you know, you're going to feel a little pressure here. And and they tell you to what to expect. It's like, we're going to, your baby's going to be born. We're going to have to intubate them immediately. And then we're going to take them immediately up to NICU and you're going to come with us. And I think, okay, yep. like, this is this is what's going on. I, I, yeah, yeah, sure. And that, and that all happens, like, uh, which like a few minutes later, our, our son is born and he's outside of Barb and he's there. And he's just this like beautiful, he's a pound and a half. Oh, wow. Gorgeous. And I got to see him for the first time and it was like yeah. <laughs> really emotional. And, yeah. and I felt so like, 
Barb couldn't see him because he was on the other side of the room and 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 so she couldn't meet him in that moment and they couldn't there wasn't a way anyway because he had to have he had to you know he was intubated and they couldn't bring him over but it wasn't immediate they had to get him sorted and so I got to go back over to Barb and tell him you know that our son was born and hold her hand and then I just got whisked away up upstairs to the NICU which is so difficult to leave yeah my wife yeah and not know like what because <laughs> you don't really know what's, not going know on where, what, what's happening in our journey anymore um, and, and, and to leave her alone like that yeah i you know a part of the story i didn't i forgot to include is we did have someone we hired a doula who who came to the hospital she was able to communicate with the doctors for us and just make things easier on us when it came to communication and in these moments when i went upstairs she was able to stay with barb david i can yeah through my own experience, what you've just explained there about being in, in surgery with Barb and when he was born and everything in that situation, I've experienced myself. The only way I can explain that was like the world was moving at a million mile an hour around me. And I remember you just saying there about you're going to come up to Niku with us and you're just like, yep, yeah, okay, I'll do what whatever. Yeah. But the fear of leaving Barb there because that's your wife... And having to leave the room, I had exactly the same as well when I had to leave Amy and she had a placental abruption as well. And I, and I knew from the the sort of, you know, the bleeding and what have you, just what situation she was in at that time is that you don't know what to do for the best, do you? Because you're thinking to yourself, I need to go to NICU because they're telling me to go to NICU, but I need to also be in here as well because my yeah. wife is lying on a... Yeah. on a bed and out of it out of it and he's going to be pumped full of drugs to try and stop the and stem the bleeding and stuff like that and yeah this is another reason why we do this podcast because we give men an opportunity to explain exactly where their thought processes were at that specific time and i can tell you now i was <coughs> petrified absolutely petrified it was almost like the world was ending because i didn't know yeah. what to do where to turn and, and what to think and your story there, firstly, thank yeah. you for sharing that because I yeah. know how hard that was for you to do that. And secondly, it's it's almost like deja vu. That's mine. Yeah. You can see it in your face. Yeah, I can see, yeah. 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 It's like deja vu. Yeah, so once, you, once you go through that experience, it's like I, I can't, you'll never forget it. And you can, the moment you think about it, you you experience it. Yeah. You know what I mean, if that makes sense? Yeah takes you back you absolutely takes yeah. you back into that in, in, straight back into that operating room absolutely yeah. I guess it's one of those things it, as you said about not knowing what, what's for the best you want to tear yourself in, in half right <laughs> yeah. literally you yeah, want, yeah, want yeah. one of your half to stay with your wife and the other half to go with your baby but it's just not you need a not, cloning machine in the well, hospital yeah, yeah exactly right and it's yeah. not it's, it's just not possible and it's it's um, Oh, yeah, and is, I, you know, yeah. I, I did my best in doing that, and I actually went up to the NICU, and and Valentine was, you know, he was, the doctors were working on him, and I see him, you know, it's like it's crazy just to see your your child in this mm. in this like plastic cage, and with people, you know, putting their hands in there and attaching things to him, machines, and, and wires, someone shoves yeah. you some paperwork, and it's like here, sign this, you know, can, is it okay to give him blood? Is it okay to do all these things? You're like, yeah, do whatever you have to, yeah, yeah. I, sure. Like I like whatever you need, just like get this part over with. I just want to be here. And they were doing all these things and he, 
I, I was there for maybe 20 minutes or so. And uh, I was like, well, everything's under control here. These, these doctors know what they're doing. I'm going to go back downstairs and check in with Barb just to make sure that she's okay. Yeah. And I go back downstairs and she's still in the OR. And I, I had like at that point taken off my scrubs and everything. So I couldn't go back in. And I ran into the doctor, her OB in the hallway. And she said, well, Barb's going to be another 15 minutes. I'm going to go upstairs and check on the baby. I was like, okay, I'll go upstairs too. And I walk into the NICU and there's all of a sudden there's just, there's probably like 15 people in there, 20 people, multiple people just around him. And you could just, I, I walk over and there, everyone's working furiously and you just get the sense that something's like, yeah. something's really You know something's bad. up, yeah. And I, you know, I left the room and everyone's sort of like calm, they're professional, they're like, all right, everything's, you know, he's good, his heart rate's good. I come back and it's just, you know, a different, something else is happening and and I look over the room at uh, the other side of the room and I see our OB, our doctor, and she just, she's white as a sheet. And, and I just, we make eye contact and she starts crying and I start crying and we like, someone brings me out of the room. We just go like into a different room. We just sit together and we just cry for, I don't know, 10 minutes. or just like sobbing. That's when I felt like things were not going to end up well. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw my doctor, I think having that, having such an emotional experience. How did that make you feel seeing your doctor show emotion that way? I felt like I had a connection, you know, like I was able to go in that room and she gave me the big, this big hug and to know that she could relate in some way, like you just felt. And she later, you know, told us the story of her when she lost her husband, you know, in the past. And so, like, her relationship with death is obviously, she obviously mm. has one. But I just felt like I had a, I had someone on my side for, for a moment that could relate to, like, the pain that I was in. And the pain, I think, I think she was probably foreseeing. She probably at that point knew more than I did. Yeah. And was probably seeing some of that, of what, 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 our, what we were about to go through. You're getting dragged from every which room. You keep going up and down to uh, to see Barb. Was was any was anything going in? Could you could you process it at that time, or was that something that came a few hours later on, a couple of days later on? I don't know. You know, it's interesting. We're having all these the conversations about about um, processing things, and I don't know. It's like I don't. I still don't know if I processed it really like it just becomes part of me it just be, it's who i am now yeah you live it every day you're sort of sorting through like this is actually happening and there's no way you can turn it around yeah. and like i was saying earlier this optimistic part of me i think sort of died in that moment and i became this different person because i realized that like my optimism wasn't going to save anything it's not going to fix anything that's really interesting and so i don't know i guess the pace at which we i i processed was was so in the moment and slow and it just felt like you're like in a stew like there's nothing yeah. you can do and you're trapped and you can't get yeah. out of it and it's seeping into you and you don't know yeah. how yeah. much of it you know you can handle but you just have to handle it and you said that that has obviously changed you with obviously you were a glass half full person yeah has it changed you in everything that you do um in life where that optimism has, has completely gone and you're a completely different person or do you still have an ability to be able to differentiate between things that you feel are 
so it is something which you maybe can control and you can be a glass half full rather than a glass half empty. I can't. I think, you know, now that it's been just about a year, I, I, there are moments, yeah, where I realize I can be optimistic. I spent a lot of that time without that at all and just mm. feeling destitution. You know, like if this can happen to you, like this is just the worst possible thing and you have no control. So what's the point? You know, it's awful. How have you found it yourself talking to friends and being able to to open up or how did you deal with the grief initially? What we did is when we were in the hospital and we came, we were coming home and we had this conversation. I was like, well, when we get home, maybe we should have some people over. Maybe we should have some good friends come over and spend some time with us. We did that for about two days and my mom was there too. But it just felt like in a way it was too much work. You sort of had to take care of the, like, you know. Well, he's still hosting. Worry you? about yeah. what, how they feel and, yeah, not knowing what to say <clears throat> and what they might say and how mm. that might make you feel. And yeah. after those two nights of having people over, we just said, I think we're done for a while. Let's just, like, it's just going to be me and you mm. for a while. Yeah. And it was, and it was for a long time. We actually did some, um, we just figured we would try to find like a, a grief therapist, like if that was a thing, like someone to talk to. Yeah. And we did, we tried two different people and that didn't really work. We just really had to rely on our, us and our relationship. Cause it's not for everyone, is it? That I mean, like we discussed before, you need to be in that place where you want to be able to, and sometimes just talking to someone you've never, I mean, it's quite interesting actually, it can bring you guys in here, Ryan, because when you're dealing with clients who come in and that's that first meeting, especially when they don't really know you guys as well. Mm. And you have to, because it is, you're building that relationship in order to support then, aren't you? I think the difference with the service that we run is that whenever somebody comes in, whenever, whenever a, a bereaved parent comes in and speaks and, and sees one of us in, in, their, in their sessions, is they know that the person they're speaking to has lost a baby. Mm. We've always said that anybody can go and have some form of grief counselling, trauma therapy, whatever it may be, but you can't guarantee that the person that you go and see has got lived experience of exactly the reason why you are there. Yeah. We're trained bereavement support workers. If somebody was to come and see me and they'd lost a family member to, let's say, cancer, whilst I would have an empathetic ear about the loss, it's not like I don't life, have it? an understanding of losing somebody to cancer because yeah. I've never experienced that myself. So... Like I say, when people come to us, they they know they're in a safe haven, if you like, yeah, in yeah. that four walls or if the weather's nice, which is rare in this country, yeah. and you can take them out for a walk, <laughs> they know they're in a safe place at that time. Mm. And um, that's huge. That is huge. Absolutely. It's yeah. huge because then it eliminates and it, it takes away the the edge, if you like, of opening up the first conversation with that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. ultimately they're here because they want that support. I say it all the time. When we came to the first support meeting with Lily May, we walked out and Crystal said, and, and she said it, I just asked her, I said, what did you think? She went, it's the first time I felt normal since we, oh, lost, wow, okay. since, since we lost Cali. And that was, that was the, no, October, I think it was like October, November, so one of those two. And she literally just said, oh, it's, the first, it's the first time I felt normal. I think it comes back to why David's on, why he's listening to the podcast, why we would do what we do. When you go through something like this, it's nice to, as much as you don't want to and you don't think you're going to have to, but it's nice to surround yourself with people who 
who can lend their ear, but as Ryan said, can understand. That's no slight on anyone else. It's um, not even a case of people wanting the help as such. What I think it comes down to is just validating absolutely everything that they're feeling. But you've yeah. walked a mile in their shoes. Yeah, exactly. Walked a mile in their yeah. shoes and yeah. everything that they feel, everything that they yeah. say, there's no right or wrong, but every single ounce of what they're telling you is completely and utterly valid because that is their story. Well, let's face yeah. it. We've had an example tonight on the show. Yeah, yeah. David has explained his story. You have gone. Mm. Despite it's not your story, I've had that feeling. How important is that? to someone who has, 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 you know, you've never, you've met for the first time tonight in face-to-face as such, and you've now got... I wish it was face-to-face. It'd be a lot bloody warmer. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we're doing a part two and we're flying over. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What are the support networks like in Los Angeles for, not necessarily men, but just bereaved parents? Well, what we ended up finding is we found this group called... Uh, return to hope and they do bereavement groups and so we found this uh, we found an online group for bereaved parents and we signed up for it it was six weeks i think we didn't do it immediately i think we needed a a little a little bit of time to just sort of be in our feelings and then when we did do it uh i think there were what six other couples Hmm. so it was a couples it was it was a group thing with couples and uh I'll say that it was, it was, it was fantastic. I think, I mean, it wasn't, you know what I mean, but like, yeah, yeah. like we were saying, it's like the first time you felt normal. Like yeah. yeah. Just the first, the first meeting was just everyone just going around and telling their story. Mm. And I could have done that for hours. Like I just, at that point, I just wanted to hear what other people were going through mm. because I just wanted to like, I wanted to feel other people's pain mm, for yes. some reason. Interesting. Like that just made me feel closer to Valentine and to the whole experience and to these people and to understand that there were other people out there in the world that were going through this as well. And I just, I felt awful for them and I felt awful for ourselves and that we were just in this situation. And then the next five weeks of, of uh, meetings was just sort of going through, like we had a, a facilitator that would ask questions or have us write things down and we'd go around and talk about things. And it was very beneficial you know, and I'll say this, you know, being a couples or there's a husband and wife, obviously, or not obviously, but it tends to be the women that speak more in these in these mm, meetings. Yeah. And the men sort of just sort of sometimes don't have much to say or nothing at all or mm. have a difficult time saying yeah, it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We've had this on a few occasions, haven't we, on, on the podcast yeah. now. Are there any men's groups? I don't know of any. Okay. I mean, this is why I've been so attracted to your podcast because it's been it's been the one thing that I, it makes me feel like I can connect to other men and just hear people's stories and yeah, mm. yeah. Like out of out of this group, there was a there was a women's retreat which Barb ended up going on, and you spend a, like a four day like a long weekend out somewhere in you know Northern California and yeah. with, with other lost moms, and she's made. Uh, a lot of friends and friends that live nearby that live in Los Angeles that she gets to go see every so often, or they've come over and like, you know, I spend time with them. So she has this network of women, Mm. but there's nothing like that for men. And we've tried to get together. Like, you know, when her lost moms come over, we say we're going to like get together with their husbands, but it just sort of never happened. Is it just because we're not as good at organizing stuff? (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was actually going to say, um, ask David in England, we have this thing where it is the stiff upper lip, a cup of tea will fix absolutely everything. <laughs> yeah. And men are, or I say are, were viewed as being weak or 
Stereotypes, isn't it? Step, yeah. yeah. Typical yeah. social stereotypes about men being weak if they were to cry or they were to show weakness or, or, or some form of, em- of emotion. How are males viewed in the US? And I'm aware, obviously, the US is a humongous country with all the differing states where, you know, it, you could effectively say every single state within itself is probably its own yeah. country because yeah. of, of the way, with you laws, know... It is with laws. And laws, laws, laws and things and like it, yeah. that. Yeah. Is, is it mirrored within the US, as I've just explained there, that men are looked at as being the rocks, if you like, within the family? Generally, I think that's a general consensus. Obviously, like being in a place like California, Los Angeles, it's very progressive as far as relationship goes and how you know women and men are seen in a relationship. But it doesn't stop the fact that men just sort of mm. are naturally just seem to like yeah. not deal well with emotions or be able to talk about them or mm. engage them and it's hard to like you know it's That's obvious true. to me that why like why a women's group works because women will get together and just talk but i like i i think about that in my head like what would a men's group be like for lost dads would it just be a bunch of guys sitting around and not talking someone go right you talk no after you <laughs> yeah. no, after you you first no, after yeah but we've tried to yeah. break i mean w- we are trying to break that stigma, not necessarily oh, just with the podcast, but we... The, the dads and granddads, the dads group. And granddads yeah. group, you know, we'll go... We'll go bowling, bowling, we'll go bowling, bowling, bowling or we'll yeah. go out for a, a curry yeah. or we'll go out for a few drinks or... We have to dangle the stick in front of people, isn't it? Come to the cricket, come bowling, yeah, yeah, come and have a do. curry. You yeah. still find that, yeah. We do, and you do. You have to you, you do have to dangle the stick a little bit to get people to come, and you're right. But do, they're we, always great. They are, but actually, when you if you, if you sit back now and look yeah. from the outside in... On those groups that we've done, I guarantee you we don't talk like women would. A hundred percent. No. And, and yeah. how I I can't remember a time in in one of those groups where we've <laughs> probably actually spoken about our babies. No, it's true, isn't it? The last one we went for a curry and we just sat no. there taking a piss out of each other for yeah. an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But you as know, we always say, like it's that, just being know. in that environment which is then conducive to wanting to open up. And we had Nathan Ellis. I remember it stood out when he said it on this show. Being in that environment with all the dads and all the granddads in this group, he then, although he didn't talk about it on the night, but it enabled him to make the connections to have a separate conversation with some of those people in that group that resonated with him the most on a personal one-to-one. Plus, it's also safety in numbers. Absolutely. That's the key. That's the one right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like when Barb, Barb will go out and she'll have a dinner or drinks with like one of her lost moms that lives around here and she'll be like, yeah, I'm going to be back in an hour or so. And, you know, four hours later, she comes home. <laughs> you know that and when she says it, though. Like, we, just talked about, we just talked about baby loss for four hours. I'm like, wow, yeah. what is that like? Like, you guys are just really working through stuff, huh? Yeah. But do you reckon they really were for four hours? This is pretty <laughs> 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 No, I'm sure there's a few. They probably weren't talking about football. But, <laughs> but, but you know what? Talking about if you left the toilet seat up. Could, <laughs> could, you, could you imagine? I'm, I'm, obviously, this is aimed at Matt because if you went out, if you said, oh, I'm going out with, maybe not me, but I'm, I'm going out for a drink with Chris Watson. Yeah. And you said to Chris, I'm going out for a, a drink with Chris Watson. I'm going to be an hour and then you come back four hours later and say to Crystal, yeah, we were just talking about baby loss for four hours. She'd look at you like you were crackers, yeah. wouldn't she? Because, well, I mean, I wouldn't even tell it. I wouldn't even say that. Like, <laughs> it's pointless. Well, no, because he'd be checking in every five minutes. Yeah, absolutely right. Don't worry, honey, I'm coming home yeah, soon. Yeah. I say an hour, I'll be back in 55 minutes. Yeah. 
Well, it's but, like we've always said, isn't it, on this podcast, it's the theme of the last, I guess, 15 minutes of this podcast, talking about these conversations, is that stronger together yeah. mantra, isn't it? And just knowing that, yeah. sorry, Ryan, even though you, you said it and it, you almost, it almost feels weird to say, but you wanted to feel the other people's pain because it's, it normalizes it to you to, to a degree, right? Yeah. It's not selfish to think yeah, yeah, like absolutely. that. Yeah. I think it's like a grounding technique to an extent yeah, yeah. is that yeah. you yeah. realize that actually you're not the only person that's going through it. And it's it's almost like a light bulb goes off. Like a shred of comfort, isn't it? And it is a shred of comfort. And it gives you a little yeah. bit more confidence in the respect of knowing that, yeah, you're going for a real shit time. But actually, if I can look on the other side of the table or I can look, you know, on a video, on a podcast, or I can listen to a podcast and I can hear from somebody else that's been through it yeah. and where they are now in their lives, it gives you a real boost. Yeah. Absolutely. Or it can do, sorry. And I, I feel like I, I have a, a difficult time talking to people who aren't baby loss people. Mm. Just in general, I think when it comes to like talking about emotional things, it's difficult to connect. That's why I think that that the meeting and talking to you guys, it just feels great to do that because there's just an understanding that you could talk about anything, mm. but in the background, we know all of each other's stories mm. and yeah. that you went through some really hard things. Mm. At, at, at some point and you could have been, you know, a couple months ago or years ago, but you still feel them. And I mm. like the way I feel them, you know, there's like, there's, there's a great way to relate in that. And I find it difficult to talk to people that to relate to people that haven't experienced that. Cause I try to explain it or like, it's hard. It's a hard thing to, to talk yeah. about. It's a hard thing to explain. And because it's so feel. unique, isn't it? I think it's that's so unique, isn't it? And yeah. And that's been one of the responsibilities of what we're trying to do with the podcast is to put it in the ears of people that haven't gone through it because it might be your friend, it might be a family member, knowing that there's conversations that that, that need to be had or just how to be there. Because obviously it's awkward, isn't it? When you don't, when do you bring up that conversation? Mm-hmm. No, you're, you, yeah. you are. You're absolutely right. One of the things I always hear from people is they say, like when I what if when people have talked to me about it, like and, yeah, yeah. And, or have not talked to me about it, they say. You know, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to upset you. I didn't want to bring it up because I thought you'd be upset. And I'm, I sort of say like, well, I, it's the only thing I think about. Yeah. It's just on my mind constantly. So you bringing it up doesn't just like hit me out of nowhere. And all of a sudden I feel this emotional pain. It's always there. Mm. Yeah. It's true. I made this mistake last week on the, on the Roy Presswich part two episode, because I distinctly remember I sat here in this chair and I was like, you know, don't want to remind you about it. And Roy cut me off and went, well, you're not because I live it every moment of every day. day. And I'm like, you yeah. dick, Dan, yeah. of course. It, it's, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, cause it's, it's true. So those conversations, it, it's always there. So you have those friends and you have those conversations with people. And again, even if it's not talking, but just listening and that's, that's yeah, no, absolutely. what it's absolutely. here for. Thank you so much. For you, can it. Always say, you can always say, I don't want to talk about it, but exactly. Yeah. It's always that, yeah, just let's speak about it next time or let's go and let's go and grab a bite to eat and we'll talk, you know, let's whatever environment you need to so that you can feel yourself mm. and best exactly. prepared to do it in, in that moment. Let's go and look at the Hollywood sign. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's go look at it. Um, I'm, I'm aware we've, uh, we've been on for an hour now. So thank you. Thank you very much for joining us, David. Before we, before we leave, um, I just wanted to ask you about you and Bob because you said earlier on, so it's been almost a year this week and it was your first. How, where are you guys at now? How are you? You're putting an extra strain on a relationship and the future for you in terms of looking to start a family. It's something that we're talking about now. I think with, with everything that happened, you know, there was the, 
the type of C-section she had, there was the scarring on her. Like there's a lot of things that we have to consider in, okay. in getting pregnant again and, and her recovery. So it's something we're talking about, but we haven't made a decision yet. And if we do make that decision, wh- wherever it goes, it's going to be impossible. It's going to be such a hard decision. And she just yeah. said the other day, you know, it's, what's terrifying is like the thing you want the most is the scariest thing that you could be doing. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. After what you've been through. And that is a different, what we've been through. Yeah. And that is that's a where we're at. We don't, we don't have an answer. Yeah. 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 Nice. Crazy. And, and it doesn't feel like we'll, we'll be ready. At one point we were having dinner with some of the lost moms. They were over and they were saying, you know, you guys will find the time, you know, you know, you'll know when it's right. And then one of the women was one of the lost moms said, no, you're not like, it's never going to feel like the right time. You just have to do it. Yeah. You have to do it. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. You're never going to get to that place where you feel like it's okay. No, absolutely right. It's the back of your mind now forever, isn't it? The, yeah, the, the innocent, yeah. as we've mentioned before, the innocence of that part of your journey. Yeah, the naivety is uh, the yeah, sorry, yeah, the naivety is, is, is gone, isn't it? And and yeah. Matt always says it. You, it was difficult for you to enjoy. Obviously, you have you have Etta now, but that pregnancy was difficult. for yeah, you Yeah, I to, didn't enjoy it. Yeah, like I, we, me with, and Chris with, both said didn't didn't enjoy. Yeah. you know, listen, <laughs> it's exciting, but. You can't. It's the what ifs, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you because you because again, like we said, we've got so far with Cali the first time round. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, until we didn't really have a cutoff point. You know, that was the other yeah. thing. You know, other, other people have, have lost earlier in weeks. There, even though you go past those weeks, it's never a cutoff point. But you've kind of gone past that yeah. moment. Yeah. Whereas with 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 us, you know, Cali was thirty eight weeks, five days, and. Etta was never going to go to 38 weeks and five days. So yeah. we, Oh, okay, yeah. You know, until she came out screaming her lungs out, that's, you know, yeah. It, it, it's relatable. Yeah. Absolutely relatable. Yeah. It really is. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on tonight for this episode of the Still Parents podcast. I feel, always feel a bit weird saying this, but we've really enjoyed hearing you speak and tell us about your, yeah. your story. And if you'd ever like to, to join us again, Ryan will book the flights. <laughs> also in your line you're, of, you're always welcome out here yeah. well I mean Matt if you ever need right, if you're ever working on a project and you need say there's a new script and part of this script just involves British tall British guy leaning on the Hollywood sign I've got you man there it is. <laughs> absolutely that's what I look like a look, dream look at his face that'd be amazing Matt's legs are that long actually you could use them as the stilts to balance the sign <laughs> <laughs> on that note all the best yeah. thank you very much for coming on David Oh, it's been lovely talking to you guys. Really, I really appreciate it. And I could talk to you guys for hours. Uh, likewise, we'll, yeah. get you, uh, we'll get you back on. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll get, get you back on. Yeah, absolutely. So that brings us to the end of this episode, 52 of the Still Parents podcast. As always, if you haven't had a chance to check out our website yet, which Ryan is constantly tinkering with. I don't think I've been on it twice in a row and it's looked the same. It's great. It's looking good now. Stillparentspodcast.co.uk. Yeah. Our Instagram is stillparentspodcast. That was a compliment. Yeah. Oh, no, I was. That's why I didn't back at you. Look at me like I wanted to milk me. <laughs> We will be back with episode 53 very, very soon. Take care, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye, guys.